What's up, guys? Welcome into Nerf Fantasy and Sports Podcast. This is your host, Vivek Iron. Today, we're going to be discussing a variety of topics, such as takeaways from last year. I know we did some uh, prior to this, but just to add on to that, we'll also be going over the NFL Combine. And I'm sorry to you guys, like, last week I couldn't come through and do over another podcast. Um, but we're having a guest come on, and that there's slight delays, so he'll be coming on soon to talk about uh, NFL free agency. So let's get started. So first, let's talk about the takeaways from last season. And number one, running backs in uh, standard and even half PPR are far more valuable than wide receivers in fantasy. And the only way to really uh, adjust that out and make them both equal is to uh, overvalue the wide receiver points in your league settings. And PPR is a better way in order to uh, like even out the success, even out the values of the running backs and the wide receivers. But even still, uh, just due to the shortage of depth at the position and uh, the fact that a number two running back is not nearly as valuable as a number two wide receiver. Like if we look, Juju Smith Schuster was still um. He, he was close to, he was either WR1 or very close. However, when you have a backup running back, they cannot sustain that production, uh, barring any injuries or setbacks to the starter. And this is why just running backs, the depth isn't there, which results in them being far more valuable. And next, like, fit is paramount to success. If we look at uh, Kenyon Drake, Kenyon Drake in... Uh, the Dolphins offense under Adam Gase. Adam Gase didn't want to utilize him that heavily in the offense, or so it seemed, and instead opted for split backfields with him and uh, Kalen Balage, Frank Gore, and it overall it was just completely detrimental to Kenyon Drake and his fantasy value. Became a up-and-down player who couldn't be counted on for week-in, week-out start and production. However, on the flip end to this, Damian Williams, who prior to joining the Chiefs had been a below average running back, became one of the top uh, 10 running backs at his time in the Chiefs starting role. And Damian Williams, although widely considered as not a good running back just based off of skill, uh, thrived in that offense, which resulted in uh, him being a wanted commodity at the end of the year and even winning some teams championships. And this continued onwards into the playoffs. And some news around that, like Damian Williams. um, So you had Carlos Hyde be signed by the Chiefs. So we don't know if that's going to end up helping Damian Williams. But we'll just have to see how that backfield splits uh, pay out. Likely what's going to happen is Carlos Hyde's going to take uh, like half to two-thirds of the carries. Whereas uh, Williams is using a passing down specialist. And uh, when they're behind. But this could also just change. And uh, Damian Williams could just have the job single-handedly. Uh, because Andy Reid generally prefers to have one run running back as a feature role. And one as uh, some not a, a, fan, a fantasy starter. One that uh, just kind of takes away from that upside. Like if we look at Kareem Hunt, Spencer Ware... Um, both ways. Once when Spencer Ware was the starter, once when Kareem Hunt was the starter, they both kind of played off each other, and one of them was always a feature back, but the other one was still involved in the offense. So next, let's look at the tight end position, because the tight end position is utterly decimated. Like, there is not many good tight ends at all 
who you feel comfortable starting week in, week out, regardless of matchup and regardless of, like, whatever injury concerns, if they're minor. And these tight ends are Travis Kelsey, Zach Ertz, George Kittle, and maybe O.J. Howard. O.J. Howard's trying to work his way into this. Obviously, Travis Kelsey, like the number one fantasy tight end from last season, pairing up with Patrick Mahomes, especially now that we don't know if Tyreek Hill will be coming back uh, because of the case that's going on around him. Uh, Travis Kelsey is a target machine who also is very good in the red zone and is one of the best weapons, if not the best, under Patrick Mahomes. Zach Ertz, we know of his connection with Nick Foles and Carson Wentz. Um, Zach Ertz is one of Carson Wentz's best friends, and, uh, looks, he's heavily targeted. He was one of the most targeted tight ends of all time last season. And if we look at George Kittle, the, um, emerging superstar, George Kittle had a great campaign under Kyle Shanahan and, uh, that care, uh, that quarterback carousel that they had in San Francisco. And with Jimmy Garoppolo coming back, despite, um, Kittle having a better connection with Beathard and Mullins, definitely uh, Kittle will be a top five tight end next season. And OJ Howard is the most interesting to me because he has a history of injury concerns. However, when he is playing, he is definitely a top five tight end. And this year, with the free uh, with freedom of targets from Deshaun Jackson and Adam Humphreys. Uh, as along with a stability in the quarterbacks, where Jameis Winston is uh, the quarterback, as said by management, and the fact that he targets tight ends so much more than Fitzpatrick does, this will allow OJ Howard to continue having a strong campaign. And OJ Howard definitely is going to shoot up draft boards. Uh, in early dra- uh, mock drafts, you could get him around fourth or fifth round, most of the time the uh, mid-fourth round. And I still think this is a heavy value for him because um, most the other three tight ends are all averaging being taken in the early to mid-second round. And also, late quarterback drafting is incredibly smart, except for Superflex leagues. If you're in Superflex, we had a uh, podcast about this a bit before, but in Superflex leagues, the quarterback is valued much more heavily because you have the uh, opportunity, or in two QB leagues, to start two quarterbacks which most of the time will end up benefiting your team if you have good quarterbacks, which is why you could get into the Patrick Mahomes in the first round, get into the Aaron Rodgers at the top of the second. Not happening in normal redraft or dynasty formats. Late quarterback drafting, if we look at um, this year and the early quarterbacks drafted, Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, none of them really return value. Russell Wilson for first half of the season... Although he has been known as a late, uh, a late season like uh, star, was not good. And in fact, like on my, one of my fantasy teams this season, I traded him away early. Uh, that trade ended up working out very well since I got a highly talented running back in Dalvin Cook, who I later flipped for, um, along with uh, Alvin Kamara for David Johnson and Christian McCaffrey. And Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady also didn't hit value. Uh, As we saw, Aaron Rodgers' numbers will be heavily inflated based on the one game that he had, I believe, Week 16, where he was absolutely unstoppable, putting up near 400 or near 40 fantasy points, which won't you can't count on that from Aaron Rodgers, and thus it'll push up his numbers for the entire year. 
And Tom Brady was not even a top 12, and he was more of a streaming territory. And there are probably still better streamers. Whereas, on the other hand, Big Ben and Patrick Mahomes, uh, who finished this season as QB1 and QB3, uh, Patrick Mahomes being QB1, they both hit value even though they were drafted oftentimes out of the top 10. Patrick Mahomes sometimes wasn't even drafted. In fact, in another one of uh, in one of my brother's leagues this time, Patrick Mahomes was picked up by waivers along with James Conner in, um, in week one waivers, which ended up obviously benefiting him severely. But uh, yeah, that just shows how you can get quarterbacks in late rounds and that could end up benefiting your team. Hamstring injuries are a huge concern. If we look at Dalvin Cook and various other players who had these injuries, they nag on and on and on. And they oftentimes drag so far that you're losing weeks of production, like four to five weeks of production from your player. Even if he plays, likely he won't be 100%. Running backs by committee do not produce top production. If we look at the top uh, running backs, they include Gurley, McCaffrey, Zeke, James Conner, Melvin Gordon, and the Kansas City starter, a starting running back, like where it be Kareem Hunt or it be um, Damian Williams, all those times they were not in a running back by committee when they were at their peak. Obviously, Gurley in the playoffs, uh, he had a split backfield. And uh, the one outlier, potential outlier to this was Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram, but that was only with two running backs, both of which are incredibly talented, obviously Kamara being even more so. More running backs include Saquon and Josh, Josh Mixon, or Joe Mixon, excuse me, who both of them, again, uh, were in solo backfields. Rookie wide receivers do not hit value. You should opt for veterans with NFL-proven results. If we look at some of the rookie wide receivers, DJ Moore, Cortland Sutton, like, everyone thought that these guys would be so much better than they were walking into the league. Later in the year, they started to come up and be better, but oftentimes, like, year two or three is when wide receivers take their leap. And this is why, like, you shouldn't even take a late-round flyer on rookie wide receivers and said offer veterans who have upside because you need time to ingratiate yourself with the quarterback get used to the offensive system and develop that rapport with the quarterback himself and defenses fluctuate in uh, defenses and kickers excuse me fluctuate in fantasy if we look at the Jaguars, Bills, and Seahawks defenses all of which were very highly ranked uh, prior to the season we saw Jaguars kind of fell off cliff once their offense was so bad. Seahawks, they lost so many people on defense, and they just couldn't recover from that. And the Bills, although they still were good, they weren't as good as we thought they'd be. And kickers, like, when you have Kaimi Fairbairn scoring, like, 20 points twice in three weeks, whereas other top kickers aren't even managing to put up double digits or close, you just see that... Kickers and defenses, since they fluctuate so much, should not be taken before the last two, uh, maybe three if you're considering the Bears' defense, uh, last two or three rounds. Next, we're going to move on to the NFL Combine. And this is not going to be all the major storylines. We'll include a few, but um, yeah, let's get started. So we already talked about Kyler Murray in the last episode. Just a quick thing about him. Uh, he measured in at 5'10". And uh, one eighth, 
um, tall, feet tall, and this was incredible for him since his stock has risen so much. Now, widely considered to be the number one pick in this year's draft. He did not run the 40 meter dash, which I think is very significant because even at his pro day, he measured in at 205 pounds and he had done, I believe, 207 at the combine. But the fact that he didn't run in either circumstance shows to me that he just drank water since if you drank water, you could gain about eight pounds based off of one gallon. And the fact that he done, didn't run shows that he was scared because he didn't want to um, show that he's slower when he eats this much and like goes up to 205 pounds. I think his playing weight is a lot closer to uh, 195 pounds, which is very small. Let's go to running backs. We'll do running backs and tight ends this episode, and uh, upcoming episodes will cover the rest of the positions. And I, I'm sorry if this is a bit late. And also, that episode may be a Patreon exclusive because it's somewhat after the combine, so we'll have to see about that one. But I'll, I'll probably release a bit of it also to uh, the people who aren't subscribed on Patreon. So, Justice Hill ran the best at the combine with a 4.4-meter uh, dash, which is an incredible time, and he also bench-pressed 21 reps, which is great for a running back. His positives are he's very shifty, avoids fumbles, and he uses a ton of effort, and that's something that um, you just can't teach because like running backs like Leonard Fournette have shown that they're not necessarily dedicated only to football, and that has hurt them in the NFL, although probably more talented than Justice Hill. But Justice still uses that effort, and that allows him to push for the extra yard, which is important in the NFL, in college, and just in all football in general. Negatives include that he is undersized and doesn't utilize blockers well. He will sometimes just run into blockers while he is um, just trying to get yardage, and this ends up hurting him and the team. He's from Oklahoma State. Miles Sanders, and these are the positives. So, like, the people who did very well at the combine. So, Miles Sanders, who uh, came out of Penn State, was compared to a very poor man, Saquon. And, obviously, like, he isn't nearly as good as Saquon, but he has some uh, similarities. Now, he ran the fastest three-cone drill, showing he's very uh, agile and has some of the characteristics of a Saquon Barkley. Uh, he ran a 4.49, which is still pretty fast for 5.10 and 2.11, which is also like, that's a strong body. And I think he'll go around second round pick. Unfortunately, uh, some people did not do well at the combine, namely David Montgomery and Devin Singletary. David Montgomery, he has poor explosiveness and speed, and he's average size. Before he had been talked about as like a day one pick in the first or second round, but now he's probably a day two pick. He came out of Iowa State. Devin Singletary, on the other hand, incredibly undersized. And there had been so much hype uh, surrounding him because everyone thought that he was incredibly fast, agile, shifty. And uh, this was partly due to his touchdown proficiency. He was scoring 67 touchdowns in three seasons in college, which is incredible. And this first round hype showed to be too much at the combine. He's very undersized. And ran a 4.6640, which when you have that undersized frame, doesn't really sit well with scouts or with NFL fans. 
He has explosiveness, but no top-end speed, which is a concern at his size. In the tight end landscape, you had a very strong tight end class this year. And just for comparison, the running back class compared to previous years is not very strong at all. You don't have a key leader in the fact that it could be, uh, you can't say that you, you're getting a Leonard Fournette or Saquon Barkley, someone who has that hype coming out of college. Instead, there's a lot of deep uh, deepness in the running back draft. However, no real key stars or even great players. But on the other hand, the tight end class is loaded with Irv Smith, who is the strongest through the gauntlet, deep play threat uh, for Alabama, with 44 receptions for 710 yards. Obviously, this distance, like the yards gained based off of receptions, are inflated because he played for Alabama under Tua Tagovailoa. But he still was incredibly efficient, ran a 4.63 on the 40, which is very fast for a tight end, especially one at 6.3 and 243 pounds. And he has good hands, um, which translates very well to the NFL. He's also a great blocking tight end, which has been considered one of his strengths entering the draft. Likely, he will go in the first round or maybe the second. Noah Fan is another tight end who uh, measured in at 6'4", 249 pounds. Ran a 4'5", 40 meter dash, which is blazing fast for a tight end. He's one of the better pass catchers in the draft, regardless of position, but he needs to improve in traffic and... He came out of Iowa. So the issues with him in traffic are that he oftentimes seems to get lost and not know how to get around defenders. The issue with this is that the quarterback doesn't get a clear sight line and a clear place to throw the ball uh, to no offense. He will probably go again like the first or second round, maybe drop into day two in the third. All right, so that's it for this podcast, guys. I'm sorry I didn't get one out to you guys uh, before this last week, but uh, we are going to be doing more podcasts. Tomorrow is tomorrow or Monday, we're either going to do a free agency special or we're going to cover the wide receivers and uh, quarterback, uh, quarterbacks at the Combine. That just depends on uh, the guest availability. So thank you all for uh, listening to this podcast. If you liked it, please subscribe on um, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, CastBox, Patreon, Spotify, wherever you get them. And if you guys have any questions, please submit them to fantasyandsports at gmail.com. That's fantasy, F-A-N-T-A-S-Y, and sports at gmail.com. That's it for this podcast, guys. Thank you. Bye.